Tales of Montezuma. Welcome to the Beyond the Wire podcast. I am your host, Tim Keller. It is November 10th, 2021, 246 years ago. The greatest fighting force this world has ever seen. The greatest fraternity was born in a bar in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. We have kept Crayola in business for 246 years. <laughs> That's right. It's the Marine Corps birthday, baby. Happy birthday to all the Marines out there. Matt Disher is with me as he always is. Matt, it's great to see you, sir. How are you? It's great to be seen, Tim. I can't see you, though, for some reason. I That's have the, I the have hard the boonie part. cover on. I have the USMC t-shirt on. I dress oh, for the occasion. I am ready to that go. Ex- that explains it. That explains <laughs> it. I see. I see. Uh, I see. I see Jimmy Purcell and Rich Hoffman here on the call, but I couldn't see you, Tim. But I'm doing well. It is our birthday. Tomorrow is Veterans Day. It, yep. As as I like to call it, our recovery day. Recovery uh, day. Yeah. It is. It's great to be here. We have two amazing guests. Matt reached out to two guys that we had the pleasure of serving with over in Okinawa, Japan. We have Mr. James Purcell and Richard Hoffman. Fellas, welcome to the show. So I'll start with you. I'll start with you, Rich. How have you been? It's been a long time, my friend. <clears throat> yes, it has. Too long, man. Been good. Um, you know, just doing the normal, uh, the normal veteran thing, right? Like always looking back on the, on the good old days. Glad to see you guys. Um, you know, these days I'm doing much more calm sort of thing than we used to do. Yeah. I work at a bank now and, you know, obviously I'm in the middle, you know, Jimmy was kind of jealous that I'm better dressed than him today, but you know, it's because I'm in the middle of the work day. So I got, I got to work from an office instead of, you know, working from home and all that stuff. So, but other yeah. than that, doing good, man. Got to pretend to be professional. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm one of those guys. And then, and, and Purcell, how have you been, man? Uh, doing all right. Uh, daughter <clears throat> is 17 months old. So we're in the, um, you know, that part of, I guess that stage of life, as far as kids goes or the one kid and working from home, working remote, been doing that since before the pandemic. Um, but, uh, yeah, doing all right. Um, enjoying wonderful weather in Durham, North Carolina. There you go. There you go, man. Uh, so as we like to do, we like to kick off all the episodes with a little bit of news and being at some Marine birthday. We're going to start with some Marine Corps news. And last week, Matt, we, we talked about the Marines that forced to surrender to the British forces and some training exercises. And we did mention that what we were reading was from a British publication. Right. I have some news from non-British publications. Say, Hold the heck on. Hold the heck on. So the Royal Marines forced U.S. troops to surrender just, j- just days into a training exercise. This headline appeared in the UK's Daily Telegraph. But there is now reports that say this was not exactly the case. Matt, you've seen some of this yourself. What are you hearing is the real story here? Uh, You know, this is the thing. Everybody wants to be the best out here. Uh, Everybody wants to be the the winner of the the operation the winner of the exercise right and and I will say this and I said this last time some of us have done training with the British Royal Marines and and these dudes are pretty badass right I mean they are they are on par in some cases with some of the operations we could do we can work alongside of them obviously we speak the same language so that makes it easier when you're uh, when you're out you know doing force on force operations uh, 
what what came out of this story naturally we were like this is impossible because we all know that marines don't surrender so this is fake news uh, as as we've been saying uh this apparently this exercise they said does not allow the opportunity to surrender and thusly the the word surrender or have to restart or anything like that is simply not true there is no keep score there's no reset uh, the objective of the exercise is to heighten unit performance and increase readiness. That's what the statement says. There was no surrender. There simply wasn't the opportunity to reset. That's not what happened. Uh, it was, you know, what can happen in, in any of these operations, any of these training exercises is, could somebody gain the upper hand? Sure. If by design, absolutely. I mean, we went into combat town, uh, Mount Town at Camp Pendleton one time against the uh, the IDF, the Israeli Defense Forces guys. And, and they were far more experienced in that than we were. And they kicked our butts in this quick exercise. Didn't go on the news like we surrendered or anything like that. They just got the better of us. That's what happens. It, it just, you know, if you set somebody up for a, a defensive position, for example, uh, 10 guys in a defensive position and you send in 10 guys to go get them, well, the defense is typically going to win. So I, I think the, the, the word from SOFREP, from SOFREP, uh, is, that there wasn't the opportunity to surrender. That's not really what happened. It was just kind of a force-on-force -force readiness exercise. Well, what I'm reading in, in this particular exercise, uh, the 7th Marine Regiment was playing the home turf, the home turf and uh, they were pitted against the Hawaiian-based 3rd Marine Regiment. Um, they were the attacking force. The British commandos were actually subordinate under the 7th Marines, so they were actually teamed up with another Marine unit. Um, and... There is no necessary scoring to this. There is considered casualties and, and people can be put into what's considered a, a zombie fob until, uh, you know, they decide to throw these people back into the, uh, the whole ordeal. But there, there was never a time where these 40, uh, British commandos were, were pitted against Marines directly. So there was no, Hey, these British soldiers dominated these, these Marines in a direct manner. So just wanted to put that out Z there. Zombie fob. The zombie. Yeah, I didn't read anything on that specific case, but I do remember an instance where some hard charging Marines that I was uh, stationed in Okinawa with. You're probably going to show a picture of this here mm. shortly. And we were uh, spent the whole weekend designing these ghillie suits for this training exercise that we were going on. And we tactically made the right decision to come in from the back side of the base. And me and this uh, tall, lanky gentleman that I remember being a very good friend of mine. I think his really handsome. He's a really handsome guy. Yeah. And oh. we stalked up on to this unit. And we even, like, came in from the backside where there was no coverage. And we scared the bejesus out of the gunnery sergeant who happened to be inside the porta potty at the time. <laughs> <laughs> And then, of course, they're like, no, 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 you're the op four. You can't win. You can't come in from the backside. You guys have to attack from the front. So despite the fact that we took their gunny hostage and we totally, like, outflanked them and outmaneuvered them, they we were basically preordained to lose. So they made us go around the front and frontal assault these guys and just get murdered. So cool. and, and there are rules and stuff in training, right? And, and this is the thing. Yeah, so we we absolutely, I remember sneaking around, and we were right next to where they had all their vehicles parked, and we were walking about a foot into the brush, and they still didn't see us. We were walking around the backside yeah. of their, their compound, and there were dudes walking right past us that didn't even know we were there. As you can see in the photo here, uh, we spent yeah. 
days building these these ghillie suits, these modified ghillie suits, like shredded burlap. <laughs> we were out in town in Okinawa trying to find different resources to build these things. But then here's the funny thing. When they made us go to the frontal assault and start assaulting machine gun positions and stuff like that, we walked up within 10 feet of these guys. <laughs> I mean, a, a real exercise, we would have been just lobbing grenades into their holes, and they had no idea we were there. Bearing in mind, this is Okinawa in the middle of the summertime, it is... You know, triple canopy, yeah, triple canopy yep. jungle. You can't, it's essentially dark in the woods. And so we're, we're walking up on these dudes, fully painted, fully covered in shredded burlap, and we even stuffed some foliage inside of our, our, our outfits there. And I think there were like five or six of us, as I recall. I, I can't remember how yeah. many people participated. I, I was, I was part of that. I think Rose yeah. was part of that. Yep. Um, yeah. Was there. But so we, we, we spread out in the woods and we're walking up on these dudes. And I recall, like, I jumped in somebody's fighting hole with them. And I was like, ah, you guys are dead. And, and they were so mad because I don't think that they were expecting there to be, they were told during the training exercise there were, were going to be some op for, but they weren't expecting it to be, I think they thought it was going to be, you know, Company Gunny going around the outside and, you know, yelling in the, yelling them in the woods. And that's <laughs> well, just they, not what they, happened. They didn't tell them that a bunch of psychopaths, that, uh, you know, <laughs> right. we took a bunch of, uh, you know, formerly you know combat ready <laughs> unit type guys right we've put them in a wood shop and now we've That's decided right. to unleash them yep. and they've been wanting to play for a while right. now so good luck <laughs> well and that and that's the other thing to remember is all of us had had like previous experience in either like deployments overseas mm -hmm. or yeah. or something along that, those lines so so here we were uh, to your point tim we're here in a we're here in like a construction shop in okinawa yeah. not doing what we've been trained to do for the last three years and many of us were like on our last tour you know so yeah here we are like set us loose yeah they they opened the, <laughs> they opened the door to the cage and out we come so. yeah and point being is those those training exercises they have rules and they have padres and they have yeah. you know it's not 100 percent accurate so you know it depends on how it was managed too right yeah absolutely so and, and i expected um you know you would expect that when the british forces have success against a very well-known fighting force like the Marine Corps they would definitely like chirp about it so not taking anything away from them I'm sure they did a fine job out there in the training process. also with the Marine Corps birthday uh Disher where was the Marine Corps born everybody knows the Tun Tavern there was an article that we were reading earlier that asks the question what happened to the Tun Tavern and that was a thing that I didn't realize until a number of years ago. I didn't realize the Tun Tavern or the place where it was isn't there. Mm -hmm. So there's a sign on the side of the street, which yep. is really disappointing. And I, I really think that maybe the four of us or more should come up with a plan to <laughs> rebuild the Tun Tavern. Well, you, mm -hmm. I don't know how building a, a tavern on an interstate is going to go. But right now, I-95 through Philadelphia runs right over the, the place where it once was. Uh, there is the historical landmarker. Uh, I want to say that's at 175 Front Street in Philadelphia. Yeah. If you ever find yourself in the neighborhood, you can stop by, get a picture of that. But uh, Tun Tavern had a had a pretty long history before the Marine Corps was even born there. It, is, it was the uh, first ever Grand Lodge for the Philadelphia Freemasons. It's considered the birthplace of uh, Freemasonry in the country. So, you know, Freemasons and the Marines share something there. But uh, in nineteen or 1781, the Tun Tavern burned down and it was never rebuilt. Um, but if you're not familiar, a local innkeeper was charged with, Hey, we need to come up with, uh, two battalions of Marines. So he went to the local bar, um, you know, that, that it was known as the place to be, had the best beer in the, in the, uh, in the town. So, uh, 
Samuel Nichols put together a group of guys, uh, signed them all up, and thus the Marine Corps was started. So uh, it's it's our birthplace. The Tun Tavern is no more. There is a Tun Tavern in Atlantic City. Um, they do have a, a few statues and photos and, and things that nature hanging up and, and around the bar you can go down there it's 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 not supposed to necessarily look like it it's very modern but it's neat to go there and have a beer and say you've you've had a beer in sun tavern for sure i just i i still love the claim that you know the marine corps founded in a bar because how appropriate is this you know if you think about every weekend in the barracks right <laughs> it, and there, there were always rules like well you guys can't drink in the barracks you can't have more than a six-pack well come on i mean yeah. it was never enforced you know and then of course at the, at the birthday ball every year which are those events are happening last weekend and this weekend around marine corps installations everywhere i just you know the, the entire thing is like it, it doesn't even matter if you're of drinking age you're drinking it's just part of the culture i always say the marine corps you know the aggressive and violent culture, but oh, oh, by the way, we're also like the bar fighting culture too. It's just the, it's like the foundation of the core, you know. It's a, it's a drinking service with a fighting problem. Is what it, it really is. is. <laughs> um, there is a a bar not far from where Tun Tavern originally stood. Uh, for years, it was known as Cookies Bar. Um, I think they recently changed their name. I thought I had the name written down somewhere. Uh, but you can go there every November tenth. They host a a big. Marine Corps celebration for the birthday. Uh, it's Tankies, Tankies Bar, uh, Tankies Tavern now, formerly Cookies. Um, they block off the street. I think it's like a ten or fifteen dollar uh, cover charge, and you get a cup and help yourself. Uh, there's food, there's beverages, there's thousands of uh, of like minded individuals all enjoying the day and celebrating and high fiving and hugging. And you know, it's a great place to be. Hugging, it's my favorite part. <laughs> the, the hug. <laughs> It's the hugs that get me. Yeah. So hey, at, the, at the end yeah. of the day, at the end of the day, like if I saw the three of you guys in, in person, I'd probably throw out a couple hugs. You know? Yeah. I I throw out a hug. I I would uh, come up behind Jimmy Purcell and do uh, <laughs> a, a rear rear naked choke. Yeah. yeah. And and see no what happens. Hooks. I'm pretty sure. No I'm pretty sure. I'm, I'm pretty sure I could take him. I'm pretty sure without any formal training let's, compared let's, to his years and years that. of jujitsu. Yeah. Jimmy, you've been in jujitsu now for how long? Oh man. Well, so 2007 I started and, but it was very on and off until about like, very inconsistent, especially while I was finishing up school. I'd say I've been consistent since 2012. Okay. Um, yeah. So that's where you at now. Nine consistent years. Oh my gosh. I'm a brown belt. Um, okay. Awesome. It slowed down over COVID a little bit, um, but now I've, I've been consistent back since like March. Now, if if Marching. anybody doesn't know, you know what a brown belt is in jujitsu. Essentially, you started a white belt. By the time you spend six, eight months in, you, you've probably got at least a stripe, if not two. At that point, you were probably more skilled in grappling than ninety-eight percent of the entire you know human population. So, uh, you know, yeah. Purcell, you are a brown belt. You were one step away, a few stripes away from obtaining a black belt, um, which, I mean, that, that's a humongous accomplishment. Just to get to the Browns, humongous accomplishment, true dedication. Congratulations and all that, man. Thank you, sir. You have plans to uh, keep going and get that black belt someday? Yeah. And so this is a very, I, if you, you trained at a Gracie Academy, right, Tim? Yes. Yeah. So, you know, the mentality that 
circulates through all these academies, right? And it's mm -hmm. black belt is very subjective, right? You have mm -hmm. the Pan American or IBJJF, like international level black belts. They're, you know, you're broken down by weight class, you're broken down by age, but depending on what level of competition you're at, you know, that's, that's kind of where you fall, which I haven't done an international one in a while. I say all that because I want to be a black belt competing, you know, and actually meddling mm -hmm. at, at IBJJF for the, the international federation. Right. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I, I, there was a point when I was doing all this where I was like, man, I'm a blue belt. I've been a blue belt for too long. This is embarrassing. I want to be a purple belt. Right. Like it was the ego. It was all yeah, about yeah. the ego. Um, and I, and I, you know, my instructor, he, he marinated me, he made me wait and it's the best thing he did. Um, I'd say, well, I got it a little quick when I moved to New Jersey, I think, but I don't judge my next instructor's, um, his decision. You know what I mean? If he made the decision, it is what it is, but I plan to stay here for a little while. I would expect at least two years. My goal is to, um, be effective from a, a gi jujitsu standpoint, but also from like a street fighting, you know, the practicality of it. Right. Um, and also in the MMA. So to me, those are all three different things. Um, MMA is one. Everybody automatically thinks, well, MMA and street, street fighting. Yeah, they're very close, but there's a couple extra details for, for street situations. Right. Yeah. Um, Cause there's no rules there. There's absolutely no rules there. Um, so I kind of want to have a good base of knowledge for all of that before. I want to go for promotion. And I say that because I could get promoted within my school or I could go all the way to Hoist because it's a, it's a Hoist Gracie school. Mm -hmm. And my plan is to go get it from Hoist. So now it's on me. Like I make the decision when I'm going to go get beat up by those guys and get tested and everything. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, that, that would be, uh, that'd be amazing to get promoted by Hoist himself. I'd, I'd, yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, Not having any time soon, but it's cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I just remember when you guys were a bunch of softies, like from this picture. I, I don't know if you see me there on the left. Uh, I was ripped and jacked, and your arms were awfully puny. Both of you, Rich and, and Jimmy, both of your arms were puny and pathetic. And I, I see yeah. you've uh, you've elevated in in life, and uh, and and now you're doing amazing things, and and uh, and you're not as puny as you used to be. <laughs> Dish, you're you're still you know tall and lanky. I I'm exactly the same yeah, as Rich, I was in this uh, picture. Rich, I'll tell you, you you had a uh, a recent um, like meetup with one of your fellow Marines a few months, like a month ago or so. Uh, yeah, I think, like you said, the wife does a lot of the social media posting, but when she tags you, it comes across all of our feeds. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there were some shirtless pictures at the top of top of the mountain, and I'm like, man, the guy's still in great shape. Look at him. And Purcell, I know you were a a, a big gym guy back then. I mean, you were you were in the lifting weights. Uh, you know, looks like you trimmed down, but you still have uh, uh, some decent size to you. Yeah, we, we were all trying to keep photo. up with him. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that, that was in that photo. The guy in that photo could talk a lot of crap and couldn't fight. So, yeah, I hope I've moved on. <laughs> the yeah, guy now was, doesn't want to talk crap at all that, or get fights. Yeah. That, but that was it back works. then. It was, uh, it was, it was, Purcell was in the gym, what felt like twice a day. And yeah. so, I mean, uh, you, you guys both for a while, you guys were like massive. And, uh, I, I participated in the gym, just not as much as you did. So, um, you know, devilishly handsome, no less, but I just couldn't commit to the gym because I was doing other things like, um, counting beers in the refrigerator and things like that. Yeah. And I'll be honest, in that photo yeah. there, uh, 
Rich is the only one that actually kind of makes me worried. <laughs> he always I'll made me. He always made me worried too. Yeah, that 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 <laughs> look he's given in that photo. I, I'll take the two on the end before I mess with the one in the middle. <laughs> we 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 made no. a video at one point in time in the barracks where we had like some sort of stuffed animal, and the stuffed animal was like being held hostage. <laughs> I the, the <laughs> things I don't think I remember this hostage. This is so the things oh, yeah. that we did because it was so boring sometimes, mm. you know what I mean. And and this was, you know, maybe before or after Purcell had a drum set in the barracks, which was also a huge no no. And people come banging on the door like, "You got to stop playing the drums at ten o'clock at night." God knows why, right? Uh, we had to keep ourselves entertained, and so um, I don't have I don't have that video anymore. But there was something about uh, a stuffed animal. We taped him up to a wall, and we were keeping him hostage and. <laughs> And made a whole movie about it, but we also got stuck in the barracks during these, during the, the typhoons. typhoons. Yeah, and like the power would go out, and you'd be in there for like three or four days. Dudes would be jumping off the the side deck stairwells with their helmets and Kevlar on because that was the the rule. You if you went outside, you had that body armor on. But it was just yeah, somebody trying to fly. Yeah, yeah, from like some third deck. Their poncho liner. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it was it was utter nonsense. But you know, it's exactly what you'd expect out of. Mm-hmm. Out of, out of any of us. And the funny thing is, I think back on it now, I'm like, I wouldn't dare, you know, my son wants to jump off of three steps off the deck in the back of my house. I'm like, don't do it. But we're out there, like, jumping off the rooftop of a four-story building, you know. Yeah, well, Matt, you brought it up earlier. Uh, you know, there were rules. No more than a six-pack in the barracks at a time. So anybody, I think it was under E5, I think it was uh, Corporals and Below, they could only go to the PX and buy a six-pack at a time. But... If you get a couple guys in the cab together and you bounce around to multiple PXs, that's how you grow your stash up. And then, yeah. uh, you know, no, because they, there, there'd be days warning ahead of time when the typhoons are coming. And so, you're just like, all, all right, right, we got the, uh, you know, it's, it, it's at what, T2 right now. So once it gets to T3, they're going to start shutting stuff down. So we go to uh, jump in the cabs, get well, some beer. And then the power would go out. So you had to drink all your beer right away before it got warm. <laughs> yeah. So you had to be either prepared with coolers full of ice or, uh, or just you know miss out yeah yeah i'll recount one time though um i think i'm trying to remember how we did this but i remember specifically sitting in uh rich's room one weekend and we had it made a pyramid so let me do this quick engineer math it's always terrible like six six packs i think we had managed to um, get into Rich's to Rich's room, and we watched uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas and, uh, and many other classics. And we had managed—I think we had managed—I don't want to say all in that weekend, but it was over like a, a seventy-two or a ninety-six. Um, and we definitely, sadly, went through all that beer. Um, I say that as I'm much more of a moderate person now, uh, and don't condone the things that happened back then. But you know, it is what it is, and. For correction, I recall uh, Matt always being the like moderate kind of <laughs> level, uh, you know, respective, like in respect to all of us, <clears throat> relative to all of us. He was the level headed one, you know, about all the partying. And the, I don't even um, remember that. Uh, I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, if I, I remember I, correctly, and I, I think I have pictures to prove this, but I'm pretty sure that we took that beer pyramid that we had made out of bottles and cans and we actually by the end of it ended up making it into a beer pyramid made out of six packs so somehow yeah, we, we did that whole yep. thing i have it yep i have the picture of it 
I think we would just keep going back and forth to the PX because I was I was underage, yeah. right? And I think we'd just make multiple trips because you know half the time they wouldn't remember if you'd come in or not. Yeah. I don't I don't remember how we pulled that off, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's that's how. I, it went. I don't I don't know how we I don't even know how we did it because like these days like I'll have a couple of drinks and I'm finished. I'm like I just can't. It'll take mm-hmm. me three months to build whatever we built. Well, in, in the barracks, if you remember, you know, rules of engagement. <laughs> they, you know, anytime you're going out on an exercise or being deployed properly, there was rules of engagement, and you'd always sit there and read through your rules of engagement. And go, all right, where are the loopholes here? How can I get around some of these things? Same thing. Like, hey, six pack at a time, or hey. You know, you can only make one visit to this PA. Okay, well, what if I just go back in 15 minutes later and they don't remember me? Right. It's not my fault. (laughs) It's fine. those loopholes. I don't remember in the barracks. I remember, like, being on Camp Pendleton, the officer of the day would come around. If somebody had their music up too loud, you'd have some lieutenant or captain knocking on your door. And, you know, people would show up and the duty NCO would show up. But in in the barracks in Japan, like, I remember just... It, it being utter chaos up there. We were on the third floor, weren't we? Yeah. Or were we on the fourth there floor? Were, there were a yeah. handful of us up on the fourth yeah, floor, so. but yeah, yeah, the majority of us were on the that, third. That's right. We were on the third floor there at the end of the hallway, yeah. and, and it was just utter chaos, like music and Purcell's drums going and people fighting in the hallway. I mean, it was it was something out of like a like a movie, like in a bad neighborhood. I wonder I mean, if it had anything to do with the fact that it was closed into a hallway versus being the open catwalk style like in yeah. Pendleton. So yeah, it probably was. When you were being yeah. was out on the catwalk, it was for everybody to see. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Paris in Japan, it was enclosed. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, we could turn the lights Whoa. off at the end of the hallway, if you recall. Yeah, you could turn so the like, whole hallway lights off. So, like, off. if somebody was coming down from, like, the stairwell in the middle of the building, they couldn't see all the way down the hallway. So, you could have, like, 16 dudes sitting in the hallway down there, you know. At, yeah, and but this year, see them. you remember Charlie Company, though. See, I think, Rich, you were in a different company. Um, you had the catwalks. Yeah, so Charlie, oh, though, right. was even oh, shadier, right? We got in so much trouble, man. Yeah. We had... You know, there was there was like a head in between the there was this like bilateral with head in between. Right. And so you couldn't see all the way down. So whoever was on guard, they, there was just they, they'd find something new after every turn. You know, yep. um, it was there was so many things going on. We got we got away with it at Camp Pendleton. So like the yeah, like Bravo and Alpha Company were down in the fifth Marines barracks, right? Or and Charlie Company and like H and S or something like that was was up in the, the crack houses. At Pendleton. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. And so, like, when I was in Alpha Company before I deployed, we were down in those 5th Marines barracks, and it was pretty nice. Down, it was nicer. I shouldn't say it was pretty nice, because now they're 40 years old, 50-year-old barracks. But the crack houses were, like, we had bats in the ceiling. I'm trying to find a picture right now so I can share. Because the well, uh, the barracks now, if you've been back to Pendleton since then, they're super nice. Yeah, everything's amazing. So they just rolled all that stuff? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's... Well, as Tim mentioned, I, I had the pleasure of meeting up with some guys back in uh, September. It was on the September 11th anniversary that just passed. And yep. we made a visit to Pendleton and walked up First Sergeant Hill and all that stuff. And, of course, the crack houses, I think there was one left. I saw one. There might one. be a couple, yeah. Yeah. But other than that, they're all gone. Like, the old chow hall is, like, there's a boxing ring in the middle of it now. Like, it's used nice. for storage. Yep. You know, so <sighs> it's changed a bit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm I'm finding a picture here of what the barracks look like now, compared to, and I can't find the old picture probably because the internet has scrubbed itself of yeah, like, the, the Marines. He's never existed. Yeah, like <laughs> well, what we, we laughed about people to these. Yeah, what we laughed about when we seen the new barracks because they're beautiful, right? 
but out of every single window, they're sticking an actual like a single air conditioning unit. So they're so beautiful, but not they don't even oh, have central no. air in Southern California. Yeah. Yeah, like that's, all window that's, unit. Yeah, that's what that's what some of the barracks look like now. I don't know if that's an actual photo of, of CEB, but it, it I mean it damn near could looks be. pretty close. Yeah. yeah, pretty close. So I've gone back a couple times for work, and yeah, just completely shocked. I mean, the the landscape still looks the same. It's just where the where the old barracks were and where some of that grinder was. Uh, the grinder is gone. Is it gone completely? Gone. Yeah, it's, it's like it's like nicer, newer barracks. And uh, did, I was did you guys jealous. ever have to meet at uh, Jenkins Court? Yeah, gone. No longer there. Is the headquarters yep. building mm-hmm. still there? Yeah, we actually, uh, you know, there was two Marines that were there on duty. It was a sergeant and a second lieutenant, and they were as nice as could be to us. It was a Saturday, and they let us just have the run of the building, man. We walked oh, around wow. taking pictures and, you know, took pictures That's with great. them and in front of the building. It was super cool. But did you have to go on base with a sponsor, or could you just get on base? Yeah, we had a couple guys that were still in. Uh, the one actually retired yesterday. It was his last day. Okay. But uh, they were there, and we had a couple of retirees that sponsored us all to get on base, too, which was an interesting process. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I haven't cool. been back out that way in years. Yeah, definitely. That was the first time in 20 years for me. It was it was amazing, man. It was awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to remember. You guys got me wondering if – you got me wondering if there's asbestos in there in that those buildings now. <laughs> Probably. Probably. <laughs> I would just say – I think it's guaranteed. Yeah. Just we were young and you know able to deal with things of that nature, but yeah, I would say that most of that stuff. There were bats in the ceiling. I, yeah. I do remember bats. I remember somebody like shifted a ceiling tile at one point in time, and, and now came a bat. Yeah, bats came flying out, and I was like, "Oh, this is great! Yeah, great yeah. bats! Great, we got bats!" <laughs> <laughs> well, I had I had a snake. Me and another guy had ball pythons. Um, like pets or in. Yeah, we got them as pets. Oh, okay. <laughs> I I remember during during lunch I was I was in my room and I got it out, you know, to play or whatever, let them let them slither around and um <laughs> the whole chain of command came through to do like an inspection. <laughs> and uh they they were like, What they all freaked out, but there was this one first sergeant who was like, Oh hell no. <laughs> yeah. Out. He walked back out back out of the room couldn't deal with it um i had to take him back luckily there was a return policy oh yeah yeah i would have i think i think all the barracks should have had like a dog like a like a bear yes. dog although that uh, dog yeah. would have been a good solution force-fed alcohol, that would have been interesting oh, yeah. that would have been bad of course, <laughs> of course. god yeah I, I can't I'm, I'm looking around on the internet right now i cannot find a picture of the old barracks i mean literally i think the media and the internet has washed <laughs> have scrubbed it. It. they're like but nope. I but I will this. tell you, I, I think that those got built in like 2003, 2004. So that might have been before largely the Internet was being used for what it is today. Well, it goes to, you know, it goes to show or, you know, to tell uh, what those barracks were like. The fact that you can meet Marines that were in 10 years before you or five years after you. And we all refer to them as crack houses. Yeah. Everyone yeah. knows what you're talking about <laughs> yep. when you say the crack houses. Yep. You you had I, I remember I mean I distinctly remember they say that smells more than anything uh, yep. rejuvenate the memory I remember the smell of the rain room when we get back off of like a field op and and you know use your imagination but 
that you're taking a shower you're taking a shower in a room with like six shower heads and no walls and no no stalls right with a hundred other people and uh and i remember the drains would never drain that was the other thing but you were always sloshing around in your shower shoes in like three inches of water i can't imagine doing any of this stuff today And, and that's why i look back on younger us and like younger me on the things that we did some of the stuff that i did in like pre deployment alpha company first ceb and then some of the stuff we did i got a picture tim somewhere of i think we were at mount town in japan and i was airing out my legs so i had my pants dropped just standing there in my boxers because yeah. it was it was like 180 degrees and, and 400% <laughs> like it, yeah. humidity and i'm just like trying to drop my clothes off my body and like you ran up and you know you were doing something you were trying to pick me up in the air so yeah. somebody snapped a photo at any rate all this stuff that we were doing i just can't i can't imagine doing that now and, yeah. and i wonder if the marines no. that are in the marine corps now have any any semblance of imagination of like how tough things were i know Every generation's like, well, yeah. we were back in the old core. I mean, we lived in in buildings with bats in the ceilings, and <laughs> and you know there was no such thing as air conditioning or. Yeah, but you sleep. know what? Here in here in a few more years, you know, maybe those barracks will have uh, yeah. bats in their ceilings. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I mean, with the advent of social media now, that would be really yeah, hard for the military to get there. away with it. But but I I do I, I always one of the things that I it was always on my bucket list I never did was in those crack houses before I left Pendleton I always wanted to do a, a cribs episode and and it would be like check out my bathrooms and somebody would like kick open a stall door and there'd be like a somebody sitting in there you know just in in true sarcastic Marine Corps style mm-hmm. like look at my master bedroom there's three other beds in this room you know I don't know never got the opportunity yeah hint yeah. hint for those of you still in the Marine Corps. It'd be a whole different, whole different thing now. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, look, here's uh, here's my roommate. He lives in that bedroom with a closed off door, and I have this bedroom here. And right, there's our our shared beautiful bathroom with you know, right, double vanities and like, yeah. What? What is this? And, and, and somebody somebody would accidentally lock the so the the doors in Japan. If you remember the barracks, yeah, like we shared a door, we shared a bathroom in the middle, and you could lock your door on the inside. How often somebody would lock their door on the inside and not unlock it? And then have to go through the other room. Yeah, yeah and then you're like, "Hey, really? Yeah. I forgot about the that. Door. I got to go to the bathroom." Yeah. I would just slip into somebody else's room. Like, "Hey, man, can I use your bathroom real quick?" Because yeah. Billy <laughs> locked his door and left. I think I shared. I think I shared a bathroom with with Bobby, who was supposed to be on with us today, couldn't make it. Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's get back to some news here. Uh, tomorrow marks the 100 year anniversary of the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier at Arlington National Cemetery. Uh, 1921 to be exact is when they had the original ceremony for the unknown soldiers. Uh, they since added um, soldiers from Vietnam and the Korean War uh, and World War II to this uh, to this tomb. Um, if you've ever been to Arlington National Cemetery, it's uh, first off it's breathtaking uh, to see all the tombs and tombstones there, but uh, you were never allowed to necessarily get close to this. Um, there's always a member of the armed forces there guarding the tomb. Uh, but for the first time in over a hundred years, you will actually be able to approach the tomb um, where you can leave flowers near its base. That's kind of a, uh, a big deal. Uh, Matt, I know you said you took your son there not too long ago, right? Yeah. I'm digging around for a photo. Now I took him back in the spring. We okay. went on a trip to DC. We had a couple of days off for school. And so I, I booked a quick, cheap airline, uh, air, airplane ticket. Uh, Washington D.C. is 
you know, 45 minute flight for me. And it was a you know, $100, $150 flight. So yeah, took him over there. And of all the places we visited, that was his favorite thing. It was mm-hmm. seeing the tomb guard at the tomb of the unknown soldier. And we, we weren't even allowed to get close to it up on the steps. If you've ever been there, there are the steps mm-hmm. right in front of the tomb. And then there are the steps down lower from the tomb. And apparently they were doing some construction on the floor there where the, where the sentinel walks. And mm-hmm. we weren't allowed up on the steps. So we had to stand down below the steps down below the tomb. And my son was like, this is, this is awesome. Like, this is the coolest thing. I kept asking him, well, where do you want to go? He's like, I want to go back to the tomb of the unknown soldier. So, pretty, uh, pretty proud dad moment for me. You know, he just wanted to see that sentinel walk he? back and forth. He's he's ten. Yeah, he's he's like, I want to go back and see that. Is that like 10? Yeah, he 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 loved he loved the tomb. That was the, that was his thing. It was like, uh, I want to go back there. And here's the thing that sucks: when we went there, this was so close to after the election. Everything was still gated off, and. Everything still had fences around it. Couldn't get near the White House. Couldn't get near the Capitol. Uh, apparently, all the museums were closed, by the way. So we just drove around and looked at landmarks for a couple of days. But the day after we left, everything opened up. All the fences were dropped. You could walk into yeah. the White House again down Pennsylvania Avenue. It was it was so annoying. So I'm going to have to take him back at some point in time, and especially now, if you can get back, back closer to the tomb. That'll be a, mm-hmm. a pretty cool experience for him. Yeah, if you like the first time, he'll love it now. That's yep. Insane. Amazing. That's right. It's amazing. Absolutely. Matt, I know you have an, another picture from Japan uh, pulled up and ready to go. Yeah, share that this, one was, this was, uh, this was uh, Jimmy Purcell and uh, Stu. Um, I've got to be the one taking that picture. I think yeah, you probably likely, were. Yeah. 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 Um, I've, got, yeah you were. I've got a couple other pictures that I don't have in digital format that I can't really... Uh, share up here but there was one where rich hoffman was beating up stewart underwater and and that one's pretty entertaining because i have my regulator out of my mouth and i'm smiling like like real big and i'm like blowing bubbles out of my mouth and i think hoffman you had stewart in like a a rear chokehold or something like that and he's trying to fight you off and we're probably 50 feet underwater it's pretty scary if you think about it now but (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it goes back to that you know young and you maybe don't think things out the whole way like right in the in the moment this is going to be hilarious yeah but there's well, about seventeen thousand things that could go wrong and we could all get in really deep crap yeah. for this well like I, i'm pretty sure this picture was taken if i'm not mistaken this picture was taken like we were like a mile or two off had to be a mile yeah and so this was one of those trips where like we went out and got our our we got certified in scuba diving and there were a couple of times where we did some dangerous dives. Like we were, we met up with some dude one time and we're like, all right, we're going to go down to like 160 feet. And I'm like, we're not supposed to go that deep. We went down there anyway. Brady. And then I yes, don't know. Who Brady, man. <clears throat> we Brady. didn't mean to yeah, do that. Was, no, we didn't. And that was the other thing. We no. do stuff. I, I just remember trying to keep up with Purcell. He would be swimming underwater <laughs> so fast. And I'm like, I'm going to burn off all my air uh, before we're underwater for 15 minutes. Cause I'm trying to keep up with him. I think so, it was Brady. Do you guys I remember? remember. I well, do. I he. I was so frustrated because he just. He's like, all right, we're going. You know, he's like always, yeah. <laughs> and he just starts going, man. And I, I look at my my depth gauge. I'm like, oh my gosh, we're down at like ninety feet. This is bad. I remember and looking I think, at the oh, depth gauge. Yeah. yeah, and, then and we tapped him on the shoulder and was like, "What are you doing? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah." 
and I had to grab someone's ankle. I don't remember whose ankle it was, but they were ascending too fast. I had to grab somebody's ankle and pull them back down so we didn't get the bends. Yep. Yeah, they just panicked and started going. It was either you or Brady. I think it was Brady. But I'm not sure. See, Matt, you talked about trying to keep up. up. Go ahead, Chase. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, it's funny because he ended up becoming like the best diver out of all yeah. of us. He was doing um, like night dives and all kinds of crap. Like he was a dive and, master yeah. or something. I met up with Brady in uh, Las Vegas. That had to oh, be yeah. probably about five years ago now. Yeah. I was there for a wedding and uh, just happened to, you know, we stopped over and met up with each other at a casino. And he, I believe, I believe he's still doing diving. Him and his probably. new wife, yeah, they no, go cool. uh, on diving trips from time to time still. Yep. So. Which I yeah, just recently I, yeah. went to Mexico and did some some uh, snorkeling, and I was like, "Well, like I tried to tried to dive down just with the snorkel a little bit." I was like, "Oh man, how do I equalize my ears?" Like I right. was misremembering yeah. and couldn't hold my breath as long as I used to be able to, and all that stuff. So we'll things change rapidly. Do a refresher course. Well, I don't know. Yeah. One of the last dives I did was that time that, and I forget who all went with us, but we we went out and there was a storm approaching, and I remember thinking to myself like. Or maybe I said it out loud, like, guys, the sky looks kind of ugly. And we're like, we decided, well, we'll just get underwater and then the storm will be over top of us. And by the time oh, we come back up, we're good. Yeah, we, we didn't. So in Japan, in Okinawa, some of the most beautiful diving in the world, right? It's, I mean, it's, it's world renowned as a, a great and place to go scuba it. diving. And so, yeah, so like we go to these beautiful places, but there was a good 200 meter coral shelf that you had to walk out on before you got down in the water. And it's rocky and sharp and it's, you know, it'll hurt your feet and you'll get hurt. You'll fall and rip your wetsuit open and stuff like that. So it took us that amount of time to get out into the water by the time the storm was approaching us. And it was just on top of us. And I, I as I recall, we were getting dashed in the rocks. Like suddenly the waves picked up from nothing to like 30 feet tall. We were just getting like thrown around and we couldn't get back up on the coral shelf because it was either go into the coral shelf at a hundred miles an hour being pushed by the waves or sit out there and wait it out. And like, we were getting dunked underwater. It was terrifying. And I was thinking mm-hmm. to myself, like, I hope somebody sees us and can call the Japanese coast guard to come pick us up. Cause that'd be great. I would prefer not to be a statistic on the news tonight. So that one in particular, um, that <laughs> we, I don't know which one you're talking about. That's the one not trying to pick on Stuart, but they were two very funny moments. Um, I don't remember what the entry was like. And as a disclaimer, we now know we're not supposed to walk on reefs. Just getting that right. out there. Right. Um, so we, you know, we, I think we tried to find entry points and we could never, like, we walked on the beat up reef that was just dying anyways, unfortunately. But that one in particular, yeah, Stuart lost his mask and his, and his snorkel. Thing. Um, <laughs> That's right. He did. He got ripped off. <laughs> Poor guy. I think it was, yeah. it was one of his first dives. We finally convinced him. And then, you know, he like, he lost that. And then it's <laughs> worth. We got out of the water, thank Lord. And as we're running back to the car, he, he still had his tank on. He slipped and landed right on the tank. <laughs> and it was so loud. Luckily, the tank didn't rupture. But, oh, man, it was a hot mess. I mean, that was a mess of a dive. That was out at that bridge. I think we weren't even supposed to be out there, to be honest. And we said, well, let's just go for it. And um, I'm pretty sure we did that a couple of times. We we were like, let's just, yeah, you know what? We've got this. I I was down one time. I think we were with Brady again and uh, my air shut off somehow. I'm like 40 feet down and my air just turned off. And thankfully, again, this is one of those ones where I'm trying to keep up with Purcell. We're going a thousand miles an hour and I'm like so far away. And I realized my air shut off and I'm like, oh, my God, Purcell is 
50 feet away from me. There's no way I'm ever going to make it to him to turn my air on or to grab his other regulator and start breathing or to shoot to the surface. Like I'm just, it was a sheer, a second of sheer panic. And then I realized one of the other people we were diving with was right next to me. And I grabbed, it was a, it was a woman, somebody's friend. I forget who it was, but I grabbed her regulator. That was a thing, man. Like we thought we were invincible. We, we were, uh, we were out there doing stuff that we probably shouldn't have been doing. We were certified. We went through the proper training and the proper channels. And, and the base certification. The base certification. Well, <laughs> the base certification. But, but, but then I was also like, I was also like, we've also done like the helo dunker. Like I was strapped into yep. a helicopter chassis and dropped in the water upside down with a, you know, and we had the little regulators in our mouths. Like, I'm, I'm sure if we can do that, then I can go dive in 50 feet of water, right? No, just three times probably in six months, I almost died underwater. Wouldn't be here to talk about well, any of it. I, I loved it. I mean, that stuff was great. And I think I have the picture dish. I think I have the picture, uh, the other side of the picture you just showed where I yeah. actually turned and took a picture of the, the shoreline and you yeah. can see kind of how far away it is. Yeah, yeah. We used to do some crazy stuff and all because Jimmy and I went in on a, on a $400 beater car so we could drive around the island and find cool places yes. to go. Is that a, is that a <laughs> yeah. I wonder how much. I wonder how many that was the best decision that car since then. Yeah. What did yeah. we pay? Did we pay 400 bucks a piece or $400 like, total? I think, no, I we think it was it, whatever it was. which is a big expense, yeah. you know, because um, I was very cheap for a very long time. And so I was like, okay. And then I had to share too. And I'm an only child. So like, I hadn't figured that out yet, um, but it, it worked out pretty well, <laughs> but it's so, man, I'm so glad we did that because out of all the things I don't, I don't really regret anything, but the best things we did were going on those diving trips, man. Yeah. And like that car um, enabled us to do so many cool things. And yeah. see, I mean, we saw yeah. the entire island. Oh, right. And, and the entire shore of the entire island because we were so into diving. So, you know, I, it was only what we have a car nine months because we were each there a year. I would, yeah. like, I, would I think, uh, Sergeant Trichelle had to. Yeah, Sergeant Trichelle had to be my power of attorney to sell it because I didn't sell it before Oh, that's funny. Oh. I, I, I bet you that that car had 30 owners before you, and then it probably, probably is, it's probably still in service. I mean, yep. those Japanese cars last for years. Yeah, there's, there's some Lance Corporal driving around right now. There is. It was a 1986 Nissan Laurel or something like that. Wow. It, this, 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 beer, hold man. on, I just remembered one yep. other thing. So we were speeding in that car. We weren't speeding. We were just driving at night. We, we had gone to a club and, and I think Purcell was driving and we got, we ran a red light or we didn't run a red light, but the cops no, we, pulled we, us we, over. No, we we got it. pulled over by the, by the, did we run a red light? I was in the back seat. I think so. I probably ran a red light. Well, but I, I don't know if like, I was there for this one. You hadn't even been drinking I, and I don't think I even drank that much. Um, we came from a club. We didn't stay very long. We're like, let's go home. It's in. Yeah. Go ahead. It was Robin's birthday. Remember, it was we all went out for Robin's birthday. Um, oh, I was there. Yeah, the whole, I, I the whole drank a little bit there, that yeah. night. Well, I didn't have much. I think I didn't have much, but I'm almost positive that was Schumacher's birthday. It must have been, wasn't it? Yeah, I went to a and club. then we were coming back. Yeah, because there were there were like 15 of us there from the platoon. Like the whole platoon, the, yeah. half the platoon was there. Yeah. I don't. I don't recall being at the club for whatever reason because I hate clubs. I, I just. I was probably sitting in the corner just sipping on water. But I remember getting pulled over by the cops, and I'm just like, "Listen, settle down." Just settle. Purcell's freaking out, like, "Oh man, we're going to jail." I'm like, "No man, just settle down." He's like, "Stop telling me what to do. I'm not going to settle down." <laughs> and and 
And then, and then oh, there's this true. language barrier where the cop is trying to explain that we ran a red light, and we're not. I mean, we we had to look like the dumbest bunch of idiots. And this cop, there's two cops. They're trying to explain to us. And then the other thing they always said was, if the Japanese cops don't have a gun on them, that means that they're like badass martial artists. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. here we are. Purcell's freaking out on the steering wheel. Everybody's like, oh god, we're all going to jail because we've been drinking. We're gonna get in trouble. We're a bunch of lance corporals, or so, you know, corp- I forget what ranks we were, but. But then the cops didn't have guns, and I'm in the back seat whispering to the people next to me. Like the back seat was like four people. I think we had four people back there. I'm like they don't have guns. These guys are gonna beat us up. <laughs> it was uh, quite the experience. Yeah, I still tell that story to people that ask me, you know, how was your pain? You know, we'll get into it. And I say, you know, so the cops over there, if they have a weapon, those are you know your average cop. I said, yeah. if you see the cop start to approach you that doesn't have a weapon, you've messed up terribly. And get ready because you're taking a beating. <laughs> you know that that's the that's the guy that like, hey, we tried to be nice and you don't want to listen, so now you must comply. And I'm going to be the one that makes you comply. So. <laughs> but but now if we go back, Jimmy Purcell and, and he Tim he was not drinking hero. and he didn't run the red light. And uh, yeah, I just remember they let's kept clarify. Saying, yeah, go. <laughs> I was going to say let's clarify. Uh, I don't care what belt level you are. You know, unless you're like. UFC level fighter, right? We we don't want to get in fight. Like, the, no. you know, there's certain right. people we don't want to get in fights with, and that's right. one of those guys. Yeah, yeah. Like, yes. I still don't want to get a fight with that guy. No. Right? <laughs> Absolutely yeah. not. Absolutely not. But that was that was a that was a heck of a night trying to explain for ten minutes. The, the cops were trying to explain to us what we why we were being pulled over, and then finally he said something like "signal traffic signal," and but he wasn't saying it right, and so we didn't understand it. And this is 10 minutes of this uh, traffic signal. And we're like, oh, traffic signal. We ran a red light. They didn't give us a ticket. They just let us go. But they seemed really angry with us. Yeah, they were very frustrated because it was a car full of dummies. Right. <laughs> like, it was. There was probably too <laughs> many you, people in the car. Yeah, what are you, like, yeah. Not right. not everybody has a seatbelt on. It, and we're, we're in the back smells, laughing and it whispering. It smells like booze. And, like, right. What yeah. do you mean? Yeah. No. Like, stop well, it. And, and there's been, you know, it's the age old conversation that like the Okinawans hated us, you know, they, and I, we didn't, we weren't particularly out causing problems, but you know, the, the story goes like Okinawa wasn't even part of Japan. And, and essentially after that war, after World War II, where we set up shop on bases after the, the, the end of the, the conflict, uh, the Okinawans are like, well, why are you guys still here? And so for a while it was okay for the economy, but then, I mean, even when we were there, they were talking about how the U.S. forces were causing problems on the island. It's still an ongoing conversation where there's, they've talked about it for years, getting rid of us. So I always wonder, you know, would you be okay in your town if you had a bunch of people that weren't from there out causing problems? Probably not. I'd be mighty irritated with if we were all in my town. If you guys were speeding up and down my street right now, running my red lights, I'd be pissed. Well, you know, that goes back to the same old, you know, kind of train of thought where um, the things that we used to do when we were younger, I mean, you know, we were probably more of the moderate ones. You know, there was definitely some Marines that were or, yeah. or more, you know, crazier than we were. Yep. Um, but even us, right? Like we did way stupider things back then than we would all ever do now. Right. And I mean, now I'm a guy standing out on my on my lawn when somebody drives down my street too fast. I'm like, you son of a, you know, like, yeah. yeah. So, down. of course, yeah. like a bunch of Marines coming right. through drunk, like all, yeah. you know. You're driving 26. That's speed right. 25. Get off my lawn. 
drinking, <laughs> fighting, speeding, all that stuff, yeah, I'd be angry. But you're yeah. right. I mean, we, we did dumb stuff, you know, that was within our limits. I don't think we never hurt anybody or anything. Like, we never did yeah. anything that was so utterly reckless other than scuba diving and like horrible torrential downpours and storms that would, you know, probably kill even extra. Our shenanigans divers. were fun and cheeky. They they yeah. were they were they were not we they put were not, ourselves at danger not yes. others right yeah. they weren't harmful to to people in general I yeah don't we left think. we left the masses out of it right and and this is what I've said I've said this before on this podcast that when you talk about going in the military you have your buddies to kind of hold you accountable unless you're all in on the shenanigans together but you have your buddies to hold you accountable whereas like they say that it's probably statistically more dangerous to go to college. Because people are out, like, everybody's going to go out and get drunk, and there's no voice of reason. You just drive, everybody's driving home from the party, and, and you have no consequence other than wrapping your car around a minivan or something like that. In the military, it was, the consequence was, like, pride and brotherhood, and I'm going to lose all this if, you know, that's if that, Rich Hoffman if, doesn't yoke me up in yeah. the hallway and correct me, you know. And if the four of us went out, and I'll, I'll make myself a knucklehead, because I was, I was a pretty big knucklehead, if I'm doing something absolutely ridiculous, and I get in trouble, who was out with Keller that night? Oh, you three. Right. Why didn't yeah, anybody get a hold of true. you? Yeah. You three are going to be just, you know, maybe not in like as much legal trouble, but the powers group, that be are going to be. a group project. Yeah. They're gonna be, yeah. Hey, listen. Well, uh, and we all looked out for each other, too. And so when somebody started getting out of line, somebody, you know, one of us yeah. would pull the other one back in. Right. Yeah. Right. I think we've right. all been there. It was mostly you guys reeling me back in from what I remember. Um, so, you know, it's hard to say I don't regret some of those nights out. It's really hard. You know, I kind of, I, I just kind of do. I don't know. I, I but, think we were all, I think we were all, if I look back. We all had our moments think, for yeah, sure. We, but I think we were all pretty level-headed. I think we, uh, I think we held our stuff together. And, and part of it was because we had already been, a lot of us, like I said before, we'd already been through some of the, some of the other deployments and some of the other elements and yeah. units and things like that where where every weekend was complete shenanigans and upside down yes. and like cars on fire and like real gunfire and stuff like that tijuana <laughs> oh man oh geez yeah you want to talk about shenanigans. Whole oh my god shouldn't say that yeah Jeez. shouldn't say that right into the show huh yeah right. oh my gosh hey re real quick before we get out of here I, I see chris cleveland uh uh ken jarvis arthur ramirez and jason fields <clears throat> hey thanks for uh jumping in on the comments here live on yeah. facebook uh ken jarvis is always jumping in with us uh jason fields uh, powder together yeah powder we served together powder. uh so remember he got his computer and uh, didn't he get a computer? Like he got it. He ordered a new Dell, and then I was like, I got to put some video games on your computer. <laughs> so, so then I like used his computer, <laughs> just slowed it way down. Yeah, right, yeah. got a brand new customized Dell. But see, I was always afraid to spend money. He went out and spent like five hundred bucks on a brand new computer. Yeah, Purcell, you brought up about being you know notoriously cheap or whatever, and you know the car cost him four eight hundred, whatever it was. Uh, you know, back in those days, every two weeks you got nine hundred and fifty bucks, maybe. You know, yeah. every two we, it yeah. was, we weren't being paid a whole lot of money. Right. So, you know, no. is yeah. that how much money to we made? Fair, I don't even remember. I, not much. I do want to say one thing, you know, like you're talking about um, really what, what boils down to, to, to diplomacy, I think, when we're out in town over there. And um, for all the you know great memories, great things Marine Corps does, I think if two things could be brought to the table if they haven't been or, or implemented into boot camp and just within units is financial training oh, yes. and um, like 
basically maturity classes to basically just, this is how you, <laughs> this is how you should behave. This is how you behave. Like those two things. You're right. I, uh, you're absolutely right. This is the same stuff that needs to be taught in high school, though. Like financial yeah. acumen, yeah. investments, compound that. interest. Yeah. Hoffman's over there like, yes, banking. Yeah. Quite. Quite. <laughs> yeah. But yes. bring me those checkbooks. My, uh, I never <laughs> talked about that when I was growing up. But <laughs> yeah, you yeah. money. Yeah. You're, absolutely right. money. you're absolutely right, though. It's it's uh, it, 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 and I think that that's I think we had an article six months ago, Tim, that we talked about on here, how the Marine Corps is trying to develop more uh, professional and adult mm-hmm. development into the curriculum. It's not just war fighting and yeah. shooting guns. It's be professional, you know. Yeah, because they have in right. and, and let's you got 18 and 19 year olds, the vast majority of these kids coming out of boot camp and, yep. you know, uh they still have a lot of growing up to do. We are four perfect examples of that. You know, we, we came out of boot camp, and, you know, uh, due to some of the training and, and our own, you know, bullheadedness, we, we come out of there thinking we're absolutely invincible and there's nothing that can hurt us, and we're just going to, you know, just just punch it and see what happens. We're just going to throw it on the floor and let's go. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I don't know how well, like, a maturity class would go for for the young kids i know that normally like a weekend safety briefing you know the staff sergeant or your sergeant whoever would try to get up there and kind of scare you a little bit put that fear of god in you hey i'm on duty this weekend i don't want to be called to the barracks for nothing i swear to god right i'm called to the barracks you're all answering for me so we had uh at camp pendleton at one point in time this was the the first iteration i'd ever heard of, of like sexual harassment training that was back in the beginning of that whole motion and movement and I, I distinctly remember this like two hour course that they, everybody, they sat everybody down and, and there was like hundreds of Marines in one room and they were like, all right, listen, you, you can't, you know, walk up and grab people's butts and you can't, you know, and it was like the, the very like, it was just this sort of like archaic, like stop grab ass and, and, yeah. and stop, you know, stop talking to women out in public like this and stop doing that. And I just remember everybody's kind of sitting there like, and even the instructors were like, this is stupid, whatever. But that's part of the problem was if, if you don't, have the culture of behave right and the instructors don't believe in it then the people won't believe in it and yeah, that was the thing back then yeah. there's nothing bad about the marine corps the marine corps was designed to do what it's designed to do however if you want to avoid the conflicts of dealing with civilians and having trouble you have to take these 18 year old kids that come from all over the place mm-hmm. and and turn them into men and women and make them behave as such you know they still have to be warriors but they they have to act like adults Absolutely. i think it's it's probably getting better I know we're over time here. Yeah. Uh, real quick, before we do get out of here, uh, tomorrow being Veterans Day, uh, you know, you can check it out on military.com. They have the full list. There's there's also local, you know, places that aren't on this national list, but uh, places like Bob Evans, Buffalo Wild Wings, Chili's, Denny's, uh, IHOP, Red Robin. Uh, these places all have, like, free meals, free sandwiches, uh, things like that. Uh, there's free car washes, discounts, at, you know, places like Tractor Supply and your, your Home Depots and Lowe's and places like that. So. Um, if you're interested in any of those, please go check out military.com or check some of your local news sources. They'll have, you know, some more localized lists for, you know, local restaurants, non-chain type things. Uh, but yeah, um, if you don't want to take advantage of some of those, that's perfectly understandable and that's fine as well. But, it, you know, it's, it's there because you've earned it. So, uh, don't feel bad for going and getting a free sandwich or something tomorrow and, uh, enjoying the day. So, uh, Tomorrow is Veterans Day, so thank you to anyone that has ever put their name on a dotted line, no matter what branch of service it was. You guys are absolutely amazing. Uh, but 
That's tomorrow. Today is our birthday. Or today, yeah, today is for us. Today is the Marine Corps birthday. Today is so. the most important holiday of the year. Yeah, it absolutely is. To the three of you guys, it was an honor to serve with you fellas. It's great to see all of your faces, hear your voices again. We can't let it be this long before we do this again. Uh, so uh, absolutely here, love you guys. Would love to do this again. Uh, and for everybody else out there, you can check us out on all the major social media platforms as well as all the major podcast platforms. Give us a like, rating, review. Tell a friend, tell a family member, share the episode. We appreciate you guys. Happy birthday, everybody. Uh, don't forget, leave out a MRE and a can of Copenhagen for Chesty tonight. Goodbye, Chesty, wherever you are. We love you. And we'll see you right back here next week on Beyond the Wire.